The Lightning Thief, Chapter 7, My Dinner Goes Up in Smoke. Word of the bathroom incident spread immediately. Wherever I went, campers pointed at me and murmured something about toilet water. Or maybe they were just staring at Annabeth, who was still pretty much living there. I'm Ava. I'm Neve. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood. Join us as we journey back through a childhood favorite series. And see what lessons we can learn as adults from these books that meant so much to us as kids. Okay, so this week we are talking about The Lightning Thief, chapters 7 and 8, My Dinner Goes Up in Smoke, and We Capture a Flag, which are, I think, the most literal titles we've had so far. (laughs) That's real, There's no confusion. <laughs> they can afford to be literal now. Like all the exposition is like kind of out of the way. <laughs> so they're, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and our theme for this week is competition. Uh, so before we start talking about that, Ava, do you want to take it away with our 30 second recap of the week? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Wait, give me, let me, yes. give me a second to count you in. I am ready when you are. I'm, I should have had this pulled up earlier, but I did not. It's okay. Okay. Three, two, one, go. POV, you are Percy. Annabeth says her mom's Athena. She's like, who's your dad? And he's like, I don't know. And then um, Luke is nice, but he's also kind of sus at the same time. Um, and you go to dinner and you sacrifice your food and you have blue terry coke. And um, then you play capture the flag. Um, everyone in the Aries caption cabin is like kind of like rude and like, bad but like the Hermes slash Athena people win and like yay and then there's a big black dog but you live and then the water is healing you and then you're claimed by your dad who is Poseidon damn (laughs) I did excellent job excellent job that was like everything in exactly 30 seconds it really was I was like smaller details in there that was really good I know I was just like is she gonna get that his dad is Poseidon that that was my like I was I, nervous too. <laughs> I was like, is it going to happen? <sighs> I, th- I think my favorite thing about when you do the recap is that you put the reader into the story. You're like, you. you, you tell- it's more fun. <laughs> it's just straight up more fun that way. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So our first segment that we talk about is things that we forgot because it's been so long since we've read these books. So what did we forget? What did this remind us of? Um, I forgot that Athena and Poseidon have a rivalry. It was like briefly oh. mentioned by Annabeth in like literally half a sentence. Yeah. But I just forgot about that being in existence. And it adds a whole new interesting level to their relationship that I forgot was a part of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> this is like kind of shameful. <laughs> but I... <laughs> I forgot that they played capture the flag. Like I forgot that that is how he was claimed. I just no, I know. No, I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> so sorry. But I like I don't know. I just kind of thought that he you know was claimed after a while, but not even that is true. Like <laughs> he was kind of claimed right away cuz they like like capture the flag right away. And also um the detail about the blue cherry coke was very sweet and it's also something I forgot. I That oh, was adorable. I loved it. Did anyone else have a really skewed perception of the game Capture the Flag after reading these books? Like, you know, Capture the Flag is the coolest possible game. Because, like, okay, in Harry Potter, you have Quidditch. But you can't play Quidditch because you don't have brooms. But you can play Capture the Flag. Like, 
and we played capture the flag in elementary school it wasn't this cool it was just running around grabbing a flag but it felt this cool if you're a percy jackson kid because oh, definitely. i am playing capture the flag i am a demigod yeah. no that's <laughs> i literally true. wrote in my notes like chiron's speech at the beginning of this game is something because he's like um you cannot bound or gag your prisoners uh don't kill anyone like hmm. <laughs> it's wild because because we think this is wild and then you get to the heroes of olympus books and you see what the romans do and you're like and this was tame so classic roman though <laughs> like of course <laughs> yeah, i mean definitely. roman theater is about sensationalism we know that Oh, thank you, Sagecraft Professor. <laughs> when, something that stood out to me that I'd forgotten about is when Annabeth is talking about like how different powered demigods attract monsters and stuff. It was like, yeah, yeah Aphrodite and Demeter kids can, can go home during the year because they're like kind of weak. Like they're not strong. I was like, damn, there's some like interesting sexism built into the the way that the stories of these gods are told. No, that's so real. Oh, Aphrodite is just like the goddess of like love and beauty. So she's like weak and Demeter is just a plant. So they're like weak feminine gods. But I, I, I don't think this is a thing in, I don't think the books are perpetuating this. I think that that's more in the way that mythology is retold because you go back in history, like this happens to all sorts of gods and goddesses goddesses from different religions throughout the world is that especially like love and beauty goddesses are kind of diminished and seen as weak even though in their day they were revered and the the books go on to to highlight like children of aphrodite especially not really demeter eh, plants you know right and like grover kind of has the plant thing covered already Mm. but yeah, no, yeah, I, I noticed just... a similar thing when they were talking about the big three. And then um, at one point, Percy was like, oh, okay. I don't know. They brought up like Hera as a part of it too. And they were like, oh, no, Hera's not part of the big three. It's just Poseidon and Hades. And like, in my mind, I was like, well, should she be though? Like <laughs> she right? holds so much power and like her cabin is, well, okay. First of all, you know, there's something to discuss in the fact that her cabin is second instead of like, I don't know, like, other first one, but, um, I don't know, yeah, just, they dropped that in there, sort of subtly, to make us, like, think about how, like, it was all guys in the big Well, well, yeah, I think that's another highlight of the sexist retelling of Greek mythology, because you have Cronus's six children, which are Zeus, Poseidon, Poseidon, Hades, which are the big three, I said that with air quotes, but this is a, not a visual medium, so you could not tell that. Um, <laughs> but then their three sisters, Hera, Demeter, and Hestia, are like not the big three because they're the female god yeah. goddess, female goddesses. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it, I should say female gods or goddesses, so I had <laughs> had a little issue there. This is like kind of unrelated, but I also forgot that the series starts out with no Hades cabin. I was just gonna say that too. Yeah, it's- no, me too. <laughs> oh, and thing. and still on that like sexism in this chapter train, 
when Percy's like, oh, so who's your dad? And Beth is like, bitch. Yeah. Like, how dare you assume it has to be a male god? No, and I was like, don't. yes, go off. And then Percy's like, okay, like, thank you. <laughs> and Annabeth is like, bitch. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, this is going to sound mean, but I'm just truly not a Luke sympathizer at all. I know some people are. I'm not in any way. And I do forget that he does start this series, like, very nice. And, like, you get on his side so quickly. That's kind of a spoiler. But, like, I didn't say what he does yet. Um, but like he starts out so supportive like I forgot about that whole scene where um Percy is learning sword fighting and he like um pours the water over his head so he gets extra strength and he beats Luke and you expect Luke to be really angry and he's like we got to do that again like you have to show me how you did that and he's just a really nice and supportive counselor but there is some foreshadowing in there there is i was going to say that i was like they drop little hints yes i i know i know exactly what you're talking about it's a, yeah. it's the moment in the second second chap chap not the second chapter but the second yeah, chapter yeah. we read chapter 8 at the end after the he after percy fights the um hellhound and they're like oh someone in the camp must have summoned it and then the yeah. next word is luke Mm, hmm yeah he there's also oh my gosh let me find the page yeah there are a couple of those little moments page 100 they're in the cabin oh yes okay so um percy's saying like i don't belong here and he says i don't even believe in the gods and luke responds with yeah that's how we all started once you start believing in them it doesn't get any easier the bitterness in his voice surprised me because luke seemed like a pretty easygoing guy he looked like he could handle just about anything. Mm, he can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's real. Can we talk about the oh uh, scene with Grover where Percy's sitting with Grover for a second? Oh. Again? <laughs> like, I, I forgot about both the the whole seeker thing that, that he can only become a seeker if Percy gets a quest because they're like, Percy's never going to get a quest. Mm. <laughs> uh, but then we hear the Talia story. I know. Because Robert's so, not connected to it yet. Yeah, so and so much earlier than I thought because it's later on, I think, when they're in the the truck with the zebra where <laughs> we, we find out the truth. It's either in that or on the train. I don't remember which. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of different traveling that's going to happen in this book. But I was like, oh my God, I forgot we found out that story so quick. And then we meet Talia later. And uh, it just got me excited for Talia, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I also found it funny um, when Grover's talking about that, that he is scared that Percy might be a child of one of the big three. And he says, well, they'd never let you out on a quest then if you were a child of the big three. Like mm-hmm. he's hoping that he isn't a child of the big three. So there's an, even a chance that he gets a quest. I know. And that turns around quite quickly. <laughs> yeah. No, reading it a second time made me cringe. Um, in Not in like a bad writing way whatsoever, just in a way of like, oh my God, like I know what's going to happen. And like, I hate that. I don't know. It's just very much like secondhand embarrassment for the characters. Like when... um. Specifically when Percy, like, tells Luke 
every kind of like sus thing um, that has happened to him ever since he had gotten to camp. And um, Luke just has to collect that information, figure out what to do with it, you know, et cetera. And I'm like, I don't want you to have that information. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing I forgot that I think I talked about this in the first two chapters how much Percy's a loser <laughs> you know because like oh I was like oh I forgot how much he was a loser at school and I'm like oh no he comes to camp and he's still a loser because because I feel like because Percy becomes this like huge cool dude who's like every he's everyone's hero everyone's so impressed by him but, like he's just this wimpy little kid who can't do anything mm-hmm. we also have images of actors like chris mccarroll and logan lerman in our mind who are like cool yeah so forget that that is not his roots <laughs> he's just this tiny little kid who who just can't do anything right and just just wants to save his mommy and he's so young like like i remember when they were talking about um dinner they were like we line up by se- seniority so of course i am dead last <laughs> i was like oh you're so small like well i think it's camp seniority though like it, I, it's, it, yeah oh oh like, like how, that- how long they've been at camp okay i thought you meant like like her cabin like senior okay well that makes sense but also also, he's young. <laughs> also when grover's like talking about children of the big three and why they can't really exist anymore um he says that hades sends out like monsters when they're like that they normally don't live past 10 or 11 and i was like what <laughs> those are tiny kids a tiny kid like that is such a tiny kid i feel like the entire rereading of this first book is just going to be like we're so they're so little yeah. <laughs> like we weren't this able so to acknowledge small. that when we were also little reading it yeah you know? oh crazy i had a thought along those lines and then i forgot it <laughs> this is kind of back to the cabins so we're we're doing a quick U-turn here. Um, I also forgot about um, Artemis's, like, <gasps> yes, me too. Just saying, like, she's never going to have kids, but she'd be mad if she didn't have one. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. So yeah. I was like, oh, she gets it. <laughs> okay. I So is Annabeth the the counselor for her cabin? because it's never stated outright but there's a line where she's like oh most of the counselors are in college but i've been here longer than most of them and i was like are you the athena camp cabin counselor i don't know but you're also 12 and you should not be in charge of anyone like you are a smart girl but like no 12 year old should be in charge of anything it's true maybe like maybe she either is and it's like a bad idea or like she wants to be she's clearly the like symbolic leader but like does she have the title yeah that's a Mm -hmm. good question (laughs) okay so um he hasn't done this yet i'm gonna preface this but at the very end of chapter eight when he's claimed, when Percy is claimed, um, 
Chiron says, um, Poseidon, Earthshaker, Stormbringer, father of horses. I'm going to end there. Percy can speak to horses. <laughs> a detail oh, yeah. that totally left my mind until I read Father of Horses. And I was like, oh, my God. I can talk to horses. So, so I, I listened to this as an audiobook this week. And so when I got to Earthshaker, Stormbringer, Father of Horses, I laughed out loud. Because it's like this epic, like, Earthshaker, Stormbringer, Father of Horses. <laughs> I was like, horse boy, like this a horse boy. He's a horse boy. Like, he hasn't like done it yet, but he's gonna talk to a horse. <laughs> that was just insane. Like remembering that. Earthshaker, Stormbringer, patron of horse girls. <laughs> oh my god. What's the um oh my god, what's the song? The that line reminded me so much of a song. It's like, you're a Oh, heartbreaker! Like the like that one, Dreamy. I was like Earthshaker, like Stormbreaker. Ooh, you know. <laughs> oh, so funny. Okay, so before we start talking about competition, uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Okay, so where do we see competition in this chapter, these chapters? More than one. We read two. Hmm. Well, they play a little game. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, let's get the obvious one out of the way first. I'm going to bring up a point about competition. Annabeth did what she needed to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember as a child reading that and thinking, oh my God, how could Annabeth like put Percy in danger like that? That's so mean. Never oh no, I'm like 100%. It, I'm like, Queen did what she had to do. Competitive. She knew she could win. I know, like, <laughs> I'm proud of her. Also, was she there that whole time just watching him with her hat I don't on? Think so. I, don't I think it's implied that she was. She said that she had to get back quick. I don't know. I think like she I got would there like with time to spare. And, like, I would like to think that she wanted to know who his father was so bad that she just sat with her hat on and watched and did not help him as he was being attacked and maimed. Yeah. <laughs> maimed. Oh, what a queen. Yeah, when they were like, no, maiming. I was like, uh oh. I, I think what's interesting about the capture the flag game is uh how personal vendettas can get in the way of your competition like successful competition yeah because in the way so much that you lose yeah Mm because the aries cabin still wants to win this but they're like but also we gotta screw this guy up we really haven't decided if we're swearing on this or not but i don't know i want (laughs) but it also has a message about like overconfidence they thought that they could take Percy out, and then still, and have then still win. Yeah, yeah, that's real. It does. Um, also, looking other places besides Capture the Flag, uh, I think the whole structure of the camp is super competitive. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 
like they're all there's so many cases throughout these chapters of people just like comparing the different powers of different gods and like oh that cabin's weak oh this cabin's strong oh are you a child of the big three or like a minor god and we see we see that come into play later this competitiveness is actually super toxic and is Mm -hmm. what leads to the events that unfold over the rest of the books Mm mm-hmm yeah, no, when they said, when I think it was Grover who was like, no, you, you might just be a child of like a minor god, like nemesis or whatever. I was like, oh, that's not something I would like to hear. Like, right? it would really, I don't know, like the whole nature, I mean, you said it, but like the whole nature of the camp, but also like pitting one god or a few gods like as just simply better than others. I was like, oh, like, you know, you can like dislike your parent because because they like embarrass you with how minor they are as a guy like oof like that's not a concept that I would want to deal with yeah and and I think this is great world building and setup for the story that ensues yeah because I think when you read this as a child you're like oh yeah like some things are more powerful than others like they're like super beings and gods and stuff like that but then the narrative that plays ends up playing out is about like how people aren't given enough recognition based on their and discriminated against based on their parentage and we're like oh wait this is actually a super deep topic about equality and actually I think the people who end up fighting on the other side of the war, I'm trying not to spoil too much. I doubt anyone is listening along for the first time, but if you are, we're trying to spoil not too much for you. Uh, but I feel like their cause ends up being sympathetic. And I think we see that with the way the story ends up playing out. But mm-hmm. I th- that's, that's an interesting thing that I want to follow as we keep reading these books. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I'm trying to, my notes, I can't read my own handwriting. Uh, Getting quests is competitive. True. Poor Annabeth. (laughs) I know. She just wants a quest. She just wants a quest. (laughs) But it's almost not competitive at this point since, like, I think they said Luke messed it up. Oh, yeah, they're like, but Luke screwed everything up. And we're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Also, like, sort of, like, the mini- sort of rivalries within the different cabins like i'm sure the aries kids fight for who is the most powerful who has the most clout etc also like speaking of that we have annabeth talks about oh athena kids can get along with pretty much anyone of course except aries and poseidon Mm -hmm. and we're like oh so these this these competitive rivalries between the gods like play down between their kids and i think that says something interesting about how how your parents' bias and raise can cause you to create bias. <laughs> that's true. No, it does. That, no, that's really real. I, yeah, I was kind of thinking a similar thing, like how it's so, also like for them, it's so much harder to become more independent or hold different beliefs because they literally do not know what will happen to them if they do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... Rick Riordan here has created a a world that has so much content of the real world, but in such a blown up way that the stakes are more tangible. And I think it it makes the lessons clearer and it 
also separates it from reality. So it's almost easier to comprehend mm -hmm. for children. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so our next segment is normally Percy Sass moments. But we've come to a decision as a group that there are a lot of characters who are pretty sassy <laughs> over the course of these books. And therefore, Percy's ass moments should be opened up to every character. <laughs> We're inclusive. We're That's inclusive here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I would well, like to start with Mr. D because this genuinely made me laugh out loud. He's talking about Capture the Flag. It's on page 105. Um, and he mentions how Aries Cabin currently holds the winning streak. Um, and he says, personally, I couldn't care less, but congratulations. And that was right after they had just done like this huge cheering thing when they announced that they won. And it just, just shut them down so quickly. <laughs> I genuinely laughed out loud at that. So it's my first contribution. I love that. Uh, having decided we're not sticking to Percy, just Percy's ass moments, I would like to provide a Percy's ass moment. <laughs> uh, so this is on page 94, um, chapter seven. Annabeth frowned. Don't you get it, Percy? You are home. This is the only safe place for on earth for kids like us. You mean mentally disturbed kids? Yeah. This has been a Percy Sass moment. <laughs> no, I thought that funny. was very fun. I had um, two specific Percy Sass moments at the very end of um, chapter eight, I think. And um, the first one was on page 122, where Percy says, ugly number two and ugly number three came at me. And then a little later, well, in like the same sentence, he he mentions an ugly oh my god an ugly number four and then specifies that it is Clary's <laughs> wow you didn't even have the balls to make her ugly number one like I wow like that hmm. I appreciated it I don't really know if this is a sass moment but I'm gonna say it anyways because it did make me laugh um page 119 he has just gotten to, Percy has just gotten to his post uh, at the creek and he says, there was no way anybody would actually attack me, would they? I mean, Olympus has to have, have liability issues, right? Which like is sassy, but also just a good point. And like, yeah. <laughs> Do they have insurance? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, how does demigod insurance work? I feel like that is a... a what is it? Oh my god, I forgot the word as I was about to say it. I'll do some magic later and make it seem <laughs> like I knew the word. It Just is, insert it. Um, a pre-condition. What is that called? A pre-blank pre condition. Pre-existing condition? Uh, yeah, so is demi being a demigod a pre-existing condition? <laughs> like, can they not get medical insurance? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> That's a really good question. <laughs> okay. So our final segment, we would like to give an offering for a character in the chapters who's 
done something notable or needs thanks or or represents something that we we want to note. <laughs> uh, who would like to go first? I can go. I don't think I've ever gone first for this. Um, <clears throat> so my offering is for Percy Basic, I know. Um, but the poor boy is just so confused and <laughs> he's being shoved into this, like we talked about, he's being shoved into this like insanely competitive environment. Um, he's getting, you know, since he finally gets claimed, you know, he gets all these opinions of people he, like from people he doesn't even know, like thrown on him. Um, and it's like a heavy weight to carry. So I, I don't know. I just hope, <laughs> I just wish for him some like, like stability in a way um just sort of like not letting the opinions of other people that he doesn't even know about like his parent like what it means like get to him um and I we know he's brave but like I'm just glad that he is brave <laughs> yeah I would like to preface mine in saying I would not identify as a Luke apologist, but I am, I, I, I am looking, I think in rereading these books, I'm trying to, to look at everything very fresh and to see how I feel reading, rereading these as I go. And in this particular chapter, I would like to give an offering for Luke because I think that in this chapter, he is being a great role model for Percy and he's doing, he's so kind and helpful to him and really takes him under his wing right away. And he doesn't have to do that. He's a can't like, obviously he is the, the counselor, but he gets super hands-on and he really is trying to help Percy. And I, we, we find out that he does stuff later. That is yikes, big yikes. But I, I don't think I ever doubt for a second that he does genuinely care about Percy, at least here. And, you know, I think he's doing great. And we know that he has had a troubled past. And I, this is a offering for Luke and for other people who have not had easy lives, but still take the time to be kind to people. Yeah. Oh. I love it. This so um, This week I chose to give my offering offering to Annabeth. Um, we get a little glimpse in these chapters into her past, not as much as we're going to get eventually, but um, she talks about how long she's been there. And just thinking about how she's the same age as Percy. She got there when she was like seven let the girl go home. It's just so sad that she always has to be a full-time resident at Camp Half-Blood. And she also has to spend so much time in an environment where she technically has the seniority, um, but she seems to still be not be taken seriously um, by everyone else in the camp. Uh, we just get like little moments of it on like a certain page. She says how badly she wants to go on a quest. And she says stuff like, if they would just tell me the problem, I'd be able, like, she just wants to have just a seat at the table to try and contribute. And she's getting like scraps of information from the leaders of the camp about what's wrong and who's going to need to go on a quest. And 
um, she's asking Percy, who is obviously this new confused person, <laughs> to give her any information. She just really wants to be taken seriously. And I feel that. <laughs> I think a lot of um, young women especially feel that. So it was a really good thing to read as a kid. Um, and yeah, I just thought I'd give my offering to Annabeth because she needs a little strength. She needs to keep, I just feel like she needs to keep persevering through these chapters because the time for her validation is going to come. <laughs> so yeah. And rereading the beginning, it's like, no, they're, they're going to take you seriously. I promise. <laughs> it's just going to take a little while to get there. Okay, so that was our episode for this week. Tune in next week where we will be reading... Chapter 9, I am offered a quest. And Chapter 10, I ruin a perfectly good bus. And we will be discussing the theme of responsibility. Make sure to follow us on all of our social medias. We are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Return to Camp. Thanks for listening. Bye. See you next week. (laughs) 